Thank you for tuning into Emmanuel's Sermon Podcast. This week is actually the first in a five-week sermon series on the bread of life. Today, we'll read of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, and in later weeks, we'll focus on what all of this means. Today, we're going to focus solely on the experience, what it must have felt like to be part of the crowd that day, and what it feels like when we are fed and loved. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for those people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in this place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of my favorite food writers, MFK Fisher, was once asked why she wrote about food at all and not something more important. Her response was, well, like most humans, I am hungry. 
It seems to me that our three basic needs for food and security and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the others. So it happens that when I write of hunger, I'm really writing about love and the hunger for it. Fisher is saying that when we talk about food, we're talking about more than food. Now, I don't brag about many things, but there is one thing that I will proudly state, and mm, is it bragging if it's true? I make the perfect grilled cheese sandwich. See, most people over toast or burn the bread long before the inside is the perfect gooeyness. But when I was a child, my dad taught me the three secrets to his perfect grilled cheeses. The first secret is butter. Okay, that's not really a secret, but please don't use any spray anything that comes out of a can. The second is patience. Keep the heat low. This isn't a race. And the third secret, toast both sides of the bread. Start by toasting what's going to be the inside of the sandwich and have your cheese ready to go. And then when you flip it, quickly place the cheese on the now warm bread. The cheese will melt better because the bread is already warm. And bonus, there's now butter on the inside of your sandwich too. Now I've had years to perfect this and it works every time. But given the choice between my perfect grilled cheese sandwich and my dad's, I would choose my dad's. And given the choice between my perfect grilled cheese sandwich and a less perfect grilled cheese sandwich that I don't have to make myself, I would still prefer to eat a less than perfect grilled cheese sandwich because it means that someone made it for me. Even if the bread is over toasted or the cheese is not as melted, it means that someone in that moment felt like taking care of me. In that moment, I'm not just fed, I'm fed and loved. And that tastes even better than perfect. Just like MFK Fisher said, food, security, and love, it's all one. If my husband were to give this sermon, he might talk about his grandma's chicken soup. Burton loves his grandma's chicken soup, and so whenever he went over her house, no matter the season, no matter the meal, there was chicken soup. In the middle of August, soup. As an appetizer to pizza, soup. If we were to stop by her house later today and give her absolutely no notice, I'm sure there would somehow still be a pot of homemade chicken soup. Burton never gets tired of it. Every time he is as thrilled as the time before. The soup means she remembers, she cares, she loves him. And it's a reminder of all the other times he's eaten that same soup. 
her ongoing love for him. As we reflect on the gospel reading, I'd like you to think about your own grilled cheese sandwich or chicken soup. What is the food that makes you feel loved and cared for? What food do you think of as the ultimate comfort? Think about that food. In today's gospel reading, Jesus sees this very large crowd that has gathered around him, and his instinct is to feed them. They've come from all over seeking Jesus for various reasons. Many of them are sick, many are hurting or poor, some are curious to hear his teaching. But all of that can wait. First things first, this crowd needs to eat. Of course, there are no there's no bakery or restaurant they can patron, no caterer to come out to this grassy place and set up a buffet for this crowd of 5,000. Jesus is going to take this opportunity to show God's love. There's a boy with five barley loaves and two fish, and that's all they need. And it turns out it is more than enough. Everyone eats until they are full, and there are still 12 baskets left over. As far as we can tell from what's written in the gospel, in this moment, Jesus doesn't do any preaching or teaching. This sign, this miraculous meal, this feast where everyone has a place and everyone has enough, this is the teaching not one you can hear, one you just gotta experience. Come to Jesus and be fed. This won't be good enough for the crowd. The next day they will come back to Jesus and they will have questions about what happened. They will want more bread. And Jesus will do quite a bit of teaching. For us, This will be the next four Sundays. But for now, in this moment, the crowd saw the sign and they were satisfied. They knew that Jesus was from God. I wonder what it must have been like to be a part of that crowd to hear of a man who was doing amazing things, to hope that he could fix the parts of you you had long given up on fixing, to be surrounded by strangers and then told to sit down in the grass. Sit down just as you are. Maybe you're okay. Maybe you don't need fixing after all. You're welcome here. Take a seat. Yes, next to those people who you don't know. They're okay too. Receive the bread, take your fill, and give it to the next. Funny how, in some ways, this bread feels so ordinary and familiar, and yet you're watching it multiply with your own eyes. How does it feel to chew on this miracle bread? Is it the best bread you've ever tasted? A little sweeter than expected? Like it's made with the best honey and the finest oils? You wonder to yourself, when was the last time you felt this cared for, this satisfied? 
How can bread in a field with strangers feel like coming home? We can't know exactly what the crowd felt, but we can imagine it. We can imagine it by thinking of the times when we've experienced hospitality, when we were welcomed into someone else's home and instantly felt like we were taken care of. We can think of the times when we were accepted in a new place, when we were welcomed by strangers and brought into community. We can think of all the times we've eaten a meal that someone else prepared, how in that moment we had absolutely everything we needed, someone who loved us and our daily bread. I don't want to brag again. But one thing that the church does really, really well is care for one another. Whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one, welcoming a new baby, or recovering from surgery, church folks are quick to step into action and take care of each other. And it's beautiful to see community in action. In my previous congregation, there was an older gentleman who lived alone in an apartment that required him to take lots of stairs. And when he had a surgery, the congregation jumped into action. The meal ministry team organized weekly meals and deliveries so he wouldn't have to worry about shopping or cooking while he was recovering. Sometime later, his daughter called me and she thanked us for the way that we took care of her dad. She said it was the best he had eaten in years. Left to his own devices, he would make oatmeal for pretty much every meal, every day. She worried about his nutrition, so she wondered, was there any way we could do the meal things some more? Even if he wasn't recovering from surgery? Like, could it be an ongoing thing? We found a way to do it. We actually connected it to our dinner church meal so that the leftovers would always be saved for him. But this phone call from a loving daughter was a really good reminder. This thing that the church already does so well, caring for and feeding one another. It's good to remember that everyone can benefit from such caretaking. Not every need is obvious. Not every struggle is one that we can see. Not everyone is going to ask for help. 5,000 people followed Jesus to a field and every single one of them needed to eat. Everyone needs to be fed sometimes. In the beginning of the Bible, not the very beginning, but the second chapter of Genesis, we learn a little something about paradise. When God is creating the world, making it absolutely perfect for those first people, God creates a garden. This garden is a place of safety. There's no threat of violence, no predators. And the garden is filled with every good food to eat. There's a lot of yummy food in paradise. And one last thing, there's company. See, it wasn't good for that first human to be alone. We need each other. We are designed 
to love. So this picture of paradise, the ideal life, has just a few simple ingredients. A safe place to belong, lots of yummy food, and people to share it with. (laughs) That sounds a lot like a church potluck. The 5,000 people who followed Jesus to the field that day, they each received a taste of paradise. And when we gather for worship and we eat at this open table, we taste it here too. Food, security, and love. Our basic needs and the things of paradise. We are blessed to experience them and even more blessed to share them. Amen.